Welcome to Homemaker Chic Podcast, where we are rescuing the art of homemaking on a Monday from the Daily Grind. We're doing it in very springy, fabulous colors. We're not wearing any denim jumpers, no white turtlenecks, no frumpiness allowed here on Homemaker Chic. Chic being the keyword. Today, we're showing our Anglophile obsession once again, and we're crossing the pond to meet with a very special guest who we know you are going to love. I am your host, Angela Reed of Parisian Farm Girl. I'm talking really fast, and I am joined by the uh, coffee sipping. I'll wait till you're done mm. sipping. Shay Elliott of the <laughs> Elliott Homestead. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, my friend. How are you today? Um, I'm cold. You see, I have my little. Yes. Going. Um, yes. It's it was snowing. Naturally. It was snowing. So, yeah. Yay. Lest anyone forgets, Angela lives in northern Wisconsin. So. So yesterday I was cutting daffodils and hyacinth for my table. And now this morning I got up really early to work. And by the time the sun came up, I like looked outside my window and there was just a giant, you know, here on the lake, we have huge snowflakes. Yeah, especially towards the end of the season. Like if we're going to get a dump, it's just going to be um, huge. But they're melting. Two years ago, yesterday, we got 24 inches in 24 hours and another 12 the next day. So my heart is full of gratitude. That it's not doing light that. flurries <laughs> that are melting on the ground. We don't want to be thinking about that. It's spring. Look, both of us are in pink. Patrons yeah. who are watching the video form of the podcast, you can see our little pink. I got this shirt recently and George is like, since when do you wear pink? And I was like, since now. Boom. It's everywhere. Pink is. Oh, in, look at that. Friends. Yeah. Pink, pink is, is in my friends. Everywhere. In, on wall coverings and clothing. Uh, where did you get that blouse? I got it from The Gap. It's called Gap, not The Gap. <laughs> I think. Anyway, we're excited to be here with you guys today. A big thank you to our patrons who are watching this in video form. Hello, patrons. If you guys aren't aware of this, visit patreon.com forward slash homemaker chic podcast. It's a place where you can show your love to the podcast. If this podcast has been valuable for you as a homemaker, you can be a part of the discord server there. We can talk to lots and lots of other homemakers. You get digital copies of our cookbooks. You get video forms of the podcast. There's a lot of good stuff happening over there. It helps to keep Homemaker Chic on the air, which we very much appreciate. So do visit patreon.com forward slash Homemaker Chic podcast. So you can watch today's interview, which is going to be a very fun one. You're going to want to see our beautiful guest's face. Ooh la la. Today's episode of Homemaker Chic Podcast is also brought to you by Jovial Foods. Jovial Foods is a longtime sponsor of Homemaker Chic Podcast, and we are so glad for it because we are homemakers. We are in the kitchen. We are churning out beautiful baked goods for our family. We're having people over for cake, and Jovial Foods is the flour that we want to do that with. Whether you eat gluten or you don't, Jovial has what you need to stock your natural food pantry. From einkorn baking flours to rice pastas to cassava orzo, all kinds of beautiful stuff. This is how we stock our pantry with cookies and crackers and those beautiful buttery baking flours. We want you to visit jovialfoods.com. There's a couple of products I really do want you to try. I want you to try their new gluten-free pasta, which is kind of blowing up the gluten-free pasta world. Carla has such an impeccable taste. And she's so intentional about the quality of her products, which is why you get these beautiful products. Then I want you to try the olive oil. I know a lot of you are baking with einkorn flour already. 
I want you to try their olive oil because it's salad season. Give a little drizzle of that olive oil over your garden greens, a little squirt of lemon, and that's all you need. Visit jovialfoods.com and use the coupon code HOMEMAKER. Yummy. I made uh, einkorn pancakes this morning and Mm. we're at this point with the egg production where the yolks are, they are orange. Yeah. (laughs) They're just so, they look like a Crayola color. Uh, And so with the yellowness of the einkorn and then the egg yolks, it's like yellow pancakes for all. Mm -hmm. So spring is here and it's not a just indicative in our clothing. It's also represented in our homes. I know we are all craving new inspiration for our homes every spring. And so today's show is also brought to you by My Old World Design Society. If you have not already, then I would like to personally invite you to join the Old World Design Society by visiting oldworld.parisianfarmgirl.com. When you do that, you will receive the gorgeous spring magazine, either print or digital, and you will have access to our private group and all the home decor activities we do there. This session in particular, we are studying British, shocker there, British designer Robert Keim, and we will have a design challenge inspired by what we've learned. There are wonderful conversations going on there. Really, the group is like a magazine in and of itself because there are hundreds of photographs loaded each and every week and people are sharing their antique treasures and their design dilemmas. It's a true community of like-minded old world souls. So I would love for you to be a part of it and say hi to me over in the group when you join oldworld.parisianfarmgirl.com and let me know what you think about the new spring edition too, because I personally think it's beautiful. (laughs) It's pretty good. Well, I'm so excited to speak with our guest today, and I think uh, it's going to be a very exciting interview for those of you listening in on this beautiful Monday. But before we do that, we got to cue that wine music because that's what we do. We are creatures of habit. And we like this song. (laughs) We also like dry farm wines. This is the part of the podcast. You're maybe listening to this episode while you're prepping dinner. Pour a glass with us, won't you? If you've already transitioned on from your daily water and your morning tea, your morning coffee, now is the time to pour yourself a glass of dry farm wines. Dry farm wines is how we stock our wine cabinets with beautiful old world estate grown wines. These are wines that have no sugar added. And this is a really big deal because you feel really good when you drink them. And I don't mean like, hey, I had two glasses of wine. I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, health wise, you feel really good when you drink them. There's no commercial yeasts added. And so whatever is on the grape is what is alive in the bottle. And these wines really do taste alive. Right now, Dry Farm Wines is doing a special rosé promotion for Homemaker Chic listeners that we would love for you to get in on. Visit dryfarmwines.com forward slash Homemaker Chic Rosé. You can place a one-time order for some beautiful, natural rosés. You can do three bottles or six bottles, and they'll give you an extra bottle in that order if it's your first time. If you're already a subscriber to Dry Farm Wines, you can still visit that link and get your rosés because they typically don't do it like this. So make sure you get in on that. And I have a special rosé to share with you today. Okay. What? If you're so inclined. Well, I actually have two. I chilled both. Um, I am making a curry tonight. 
like a really nice green Thai curry. Um, and I love rosé with curries. Um, so I picked two. I put two in the fridge, not knowing which one we would choose tonight. So the first one we have, this actually came in my rosé box. Radis Pal- Paltrinieri. <laughs> Radis oh, yeah. Paltrinieri. Right it's in Italian. Yeah, it's Italian. I had that yeah. a few weeks ago. The frizzante red one. Yes. Frizzante. frizzante. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bubbly. So... Um, it just says a dry sparkling red. I've never had this one before, but you know me, anything that has bubbles and is from Italy is usually right up my alley. So that's one. So that's a good one. You say, mm-hmm. okay, yes. well, this other one, um, you'll see this. If you're a dry farms customer, you'll see this label in a lot of your boxes. Well, maybe not a lot, but I've seen it. They have, this is a wasabi. I know how to No, Wabi, wabi sabi. This one says, oh yeah. Wa, wabi sabi. Right. So this is a pink sparkling, but they also have a couple of whites that I've seen in my white box as well. So this is Austrian from Holenberg region, a sparkling rosé wine, Zweigelt St. Laurent and Muscat Otenel. So have you had this one? I have not. I just love no. the pink. I mean, we're all about the pink right now. And it says no pink sparkling terroir. So maybe this will be my one that I dive into tonight. Okay. So cut yourself some daffodils and visit dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic rosé. Yes. Think because (laughs) we have our beverages poured. We are ready. And today I am pleased to announce our new friend is joining us. She has been called the bravest woman in England, Alina (laughs) Pettit. Am I saying your name correctly? Correct. Yeah, well done. Well, it's French. So I would expect you to, given it's French. Okay. (laughs) No pressure. Darling Academy. The Darling Academy, uh, Homemaker Chic listeners, the Darling Academy is home to good manners, traditional family dynamics, great homemaking, and shares the beauty of what makes being at home truly worthwhile. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to have you here. (laughs) Thank you so much. I've been just so excited about talking to you girls. Honestly, you join, uh, you join me quite often on the treadmill, but this is much more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that you're here with your accent, I guess I don't have to do mine for all of us, (laughs) which is probably a good thing. People are like, just stop. You can't do it. Please just stop. Pseudo Cockney, like Oliver oh, Twist you, style. Yeah, well, I think you do all right, actually. It's quite entertaining. <laughs> See, there we go. <laughs> Justified. <Yeah. Woo. laughs> well, okay. I have to say, we are so excited to have you on because I love this. Um, you know, we always talk about things beginning things. So, you know, what we've tried to create with our homemaker chic community, you've done the same thing with the Darling Academy. Like we're all kind of tooting the same horn here. And you even talk about, you know, the posture of the heart, really, that's what it comes down to. It's not piecing these things apart, which is think, I think what the media really likes to do in your case, they like to love it. Yeah. Fixate on a certain word, or here's this, you know, traditional woman doing these things. Um, so it's really fun to kind of see how all of this plays out with all of our different dynamics and different, even cultures. Um, and yet we're all still here kind of fighting the same fight, which is, I don't know. It's kind of exciting to know you're not alone. Hey, homemakers, you're not alone. 
No, there's a whole global movement and we're all part of it. I think what's interesting as well is that I'm really enjoying seeing the beauty and how diverse we are as well, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's a lot of, um, you know, they might be very modern in their tastes and styles or like us. I know we all love to thrift and find antiques and things like that. But the thing that absolutely pulls us together is just that shedding of the, the modern view of the housewife and homemaker, which I think has... It's really been done a disservice in recent decades, don't you think? Mm-hmm. You know, like there's no positive role models. So it's nice that, I mean, I know I personally recognized I didn't have a role model. So when I wrote my first book, I was like, I'm going to write the book I wish I had. Mm-hmm. You know, we're creating it for ourselves, these communities and things like that. And I need it just as much as the people that kind of join my community. You know, like right. I need that. I need to speak to people that feel the same way because it's really hard to meet people in your local community sometimes that feel the same way. So it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Will you share with our audience just a little bit of your journey? So, you know, just starting um, with your professional career and what pulled you out of that or why you were making, why you made the choices that you did? Yes, of of course, of course. You know, growing up, I was very much a girly girl, actually. I really enjoyed the homemaking role play and things like that. But as soon as I reached kind of my late teens, it felt like that was being stripped away from me because of the culture. So boys are allowed to kind of continue to rough and tumble, enjoy their cars and their sports. But I was noticing at that time that it was suddenly wrong to want to play I mean, obviously, you don't want to play with dolls when you're kind of in your late teens. But just the the narrative about those things were becoming a bit taboo. So, you know, I kind of followed the Cosmopolitan magazine that said I had to be like Carrie from Sex and the City and go out and get a job and be liberated. And it really just didn't fit. It didn't fit. And there was no kind of community here in England Um You know, we don't have a Bible belt, for example, where traditional family values and family structures are celebrated and really upheld. Like your community are, I suppose, maybe pressuring you, but you, you know, you keep up with the Joneses, don't you? Um, And there was, I just didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. So I went into marketing in the beauty industry. I've always loved beautiful things and I did really well. But inside I was just heartbroken because those dreams I had of marrying young, having babies, making my home, which is my calling. It's absolutely my calling. Just felt like I wasn't allowed to do it. You know, any any kind of conversation I'd have with teachers or um, even my friends were like, why would you want to do that? There's so much to do. There's so much out there for you. And it's just like, I don't want what's out there. I want what's inside my four walls. <laughs> it's You know, I never I've never put any thought to child play and that sort of message, like you said, that boys get to continue in that vein. Yes, of traditional child, you know, how Mm -hmm. children take on traditional roles and girls, um, you know, on the whole are not really encouraged to do that. No, we have to drop it. Very interesting. I, it's Mm -hmm. interesting. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's good until a certain point and then put it all away and, and, uh, and pick them up again later when it's appropriate and who gets to decide when that is. That's, that's the the question. And I think picking it up again is happening later and later for a lot of women as well, you know? So 
I personally didn't enjoy my early 20s because I was just, I wasn't living my dream. And I feel like those are wasted years now because I didn't have the confidence to follow them. And luckily, my husband's amazing. He's very traditionally minded too. Um, And he recognized it in me. He saw how much I flourished at home compared to going into the office. Um, And as soon as we had our, our child, he was like, I don't want you going back to work. And it wasn't a case of forcing me to stay home. It was, I see what makes you happy. So, and these are the unfortunate things that the media have twisted, making, you know, him the controlling one and me the housewife at home who just, it's just, it's really sad. And it just shows the measure of how much we do not respect marriage, the dynamic of marriage in terms of, you know, equal equal work. It's not the same work, but we mm-hmm. equally put in as much effort, you know, a division of labor as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like there's a destruction of the family going on. The deeper and deeper I go into this with the media, the more I see it. And it's shocking, mm-hmm. frightening me actually. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is? I mean, you are brave in that you post all these articles and podcasts and news interviews that you've been on, on your website. And like they make my blood boil <laughs> the the even the titles yeah it's unbearable to me and i so much so that i immediately like vomited this information to my husband <laughs> like can you believe this and he said isn't it so funny that people you know fight for you to just like you can make any choice you want you can be whatever you want to be which is very much what you talk about the indoctrination yeah. that you had in school You can, you know, rise up, but like, also you can't do that. You can't just stay home and have like, sorry, that choice. You can't make make that choice, but you can. And and the one that really got me this, because we just talked about this on the podcast last week. It's like, you talk about, there was an article. I wish I could remember which one, but it was talking about how, like, basically how you pulled yourself out of the workforce and like, Hey, you could have shattered a glass ceiling for culture. You could have made these great achievements for the world. You know, you could have sold all these cosmetics and you chose to be at home. Like what about that glass ceiling that you were supposed to shatter? And we pose the question to our listeners, does that make that work less valuable? If a woman chooses to stay home, to raise a family or not raise a family, even if she just wants to stay home, you know, with her husband or whatever it may be, is that somehow less of a contribution to society? Well, this is the thing. This is the question. Valuable to who? It would be more valuable. <laughs> As Angela Spencer Coffee up. That's right. <laughs> valuable to who? I'm sure it would have been more valuable for the CEO of the company I was working for, right? For me to remain in that position. Yeah. But actually, my husband and my child are more important and also myself, like my own mental health, Yeah, like wanting to be home. So isn't that valuable in the sense that, you know, is there's that saying, isn't there? The hand that rocks the cradle is the one that rules the world as well. Perhaps I'm creating great value in raising my son and being present for him because it, he might go on to do great things, mm-hmm. you know, like. Or right? he'll, maybe he'll just be ordinary. 
Exactly. And ordinary and fine. Like this is the thing. This is the sad thing about social media in particular. Everyone's got to be a superstar these days. We base our value on our follower count, the possessions that we have, you know, oh, I can't wear that again because, you know, I've, I've been seen in it on Instagram already, for example. Like we're losing sight of the things that truly keep us content. And I'm wondering if maybe the pandemic has hopefully shifted a lot of people's perception about what's valuable to them. You know, like, did you have, so here stateside, we had this with something that came about with the pandemic. um, And I don't want to go on too much of a rabbit trail, but I'm very curious about the two different countries. Did you have a a resurgence into, um, into homemaking like here, like sourdough starters sold out. (laughs) Flour, (laughs) flour sold out, seeds sold out, sewing supplies, ball jars, like canning. I guess, yeah, I'd collect them. (laughs) You can't get them. No, yeah. Last last year at one point, a quart ball jar was $14 on Amazon. Oh my goodness. So I'm just wondering if the UK experienced that sort of like inward turn. Yes. With the pandemic. Yes, absolutely. There was no flour to be had on the shelves. Um, A lot of people started shopping local as well, which I love. I love the idea of localism. And a lot of that has stayed. So I managed to find someone who delivers eggs to me like on a Monday morning. And I'm like, actually, that makes me feel really wholesome. I'm going to stick with that. And I don't know. There was a lot of narrative. There was a lot of women in particular talking about how the fact they couldn't wait to get back to work because they hated staying home and they hated the the, the drag of it. Um, but I had, had so many people saying this has been wonderful mm-hmm. because I've truly realized just how being home has made me happy because I think the split that women have who work outside the home as well, they come home and the homemaking side of it is stressful because they're having to fit it into these really narrow windows of time. So they don't get to do things like make sourdough starters and, you know, bake their own bread and, and things like that. So it's almost like the art of slow living, as it were, was tested by many people. And I've had lots and lots and lots of women say, I don't want to return to work. I want to be a homemaker, but I don't feel I can. And a lot of the reason is, of course, financial, because the cost of living here in England is incredibly high. But it's more actually what their peers will think. And it's mm-hmm. always what other women will think, Think, funnily enough, which mm-hmm. is very interesting. We value other women's opinions above men a lot of the time, because I think largely I've had a lot of men contact me as well. They just want us to be happy, whether we're at home or at work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was a lot of inward turning. I think that is such, um, I, Angela and I, you've probably noticed cause you do listen to the podcast, but like we've both been through some pretty difficult financial times. Um, but both of us, when we had our first child it was the same thing. It was like, I can't, I can't leave this. Like <laughs> I have to figure this. I think I have to figure out how to stay with this little person that I just love so much. And, um, you know, for us, like I'll speak boldly. I don't know what this translates to in like euros, but, um, as you use euros, pounds, pounds. I use the pound. See, there you go. I know nothing. Um, <laughs> Stu was teaching at the time. He was first year teaching right out of school. We got a job in the South and he earned $28,000 a year. So yeah. 
that was not a lot of money at all. Like it was, it's well below, I think the poverty line here in America, but that that's kind of where we were like, you know what? That means we're going to sell our cars. We're going to not have smartphones. Our grocery budget is like $30 a week. (laughs) I mean, we made huge, huge sacrifices. And like you said, people made fun of our house that we rented. They made fun of the cars that we drove. You know, there was no new makeup. There was no hair coloring. There was no new clothes. And yet it was a decision that we boldly made. And so I have a little bit of a edge against women who'd be like, I can't afford to do that. It's like, no, you're, you're choose. You have to recognize that that is a choice. And I'm not saying it's the right choice or the wrong choice. I'm saying it, you do have that choice. It's just a matter of what you're willing to sacrifice. Like you said, if you're, if you're trying to keep up with the Jones, yeah, good luck. Yeah. That's probably not going to happen, but like, where, where does that sacrifice kick in and where does that like so I know. tough pill to swallow. Too. It's a tough pill to swallow. We drove like, yeah. I remember women um, like whispering, like I dropped my kids off for a homeschool group once and there was like pretty obvious <laughs> going on about the rust bucket that I pulled. There's the trashy one. <laughs> it was, it was pretty obvious. I actually pulled away and cried very yeah. hard. It was humiliating, but that was the same thing. Like, uh, I didn't get a smartphone. I didn't get a phone until my fourth child mm-hmm. and no cable. No, you know, we've shared yeah, no about, cable about like me holding the $4 lip gloss at target and just putting it back in the cart. Like I want this so bad, but it is, <laughs> you know, not like everybody has to play. Um, you know, I know not everybody's in the position to be a quote, I don't know, financial martyr to stay with yeah. their family, but it, there are really from housing to vehicles to all the little monthly things from television bills to cell phone bills, you know. Exactly. Yeah. There there are things there yeah. are things you can do, but I would I would measure this by saying, look at you both now. Life moves on, you know. And right. this I would love to ask you guys this question. Would you change those years? Never. Exactly. These are the things, those are years you will never get back, especially having very young children. Like it doesn't last forever. So many people say to me as well, like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when your child is growing, will you go back to work? And I'm like, do you know what? I love homemaking, but maybe it's just a season. I don't know that now. At the moment, I'm very content. I may go back to work. You don't have to define yourself you know, in for the rest of your life, you know, I could yeah. go back and have a completely different career. I could retrain as something. And I just, this is what frustrates me the most is that, that you think that you make these decisions and they're going to last forever. Like you make the decision to get out of debt mm-hmm. and you think that living like that, putting the lip gloss back on the shelf is going yeah. to last for the rest of your life. It's not those, those immediate sacrifices, those initial sacrifices create long-term gain. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, it's priorities at the end of the day. It's true. I was just thinking about that yesterday because we, um, realizing how financially tight things were during those years, we got really into Dave Ramsey. I don't know if he's a thing. Yeah, I love Dave. Ramsey. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it, and it taught us like in really intentional financial, um, you know, skills basically. Yeah. That even now, when we're not in that season, we've still carried those through. You know, you don't learn and you don't forget lessons like that very quickly. But one thing we also brought up last week was the Proverbs 31 woman. I know not everyone is familiar with Proverbs 31, but 
I, I think I do sort of push back a little bit this idea of like this being the traditional way, because the reality is women have lived all kinds. Women have always worked. We've said that on the podcast so many times. Mm-hmm. Now that might not be what we picture as, you know, CEO or like climbing the corporate ladder, this kind of a thing, but women have always worked. They've always put their hands to things. And it's only been as of late that that's looked the way that it has, but you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, she wasn't just, she wasn't just a homemaker. And the interesting thing about that is like, none of us here are, no, right. We've all written books. We're all doing our thing on the internet. Like we're all putting content out there and, and we're here now recording this. So, you know, she, the Proverbs 31 woman, she filled needs that her family had. She looked well, after the ways of her household, right? She clothed yeah. her children in scarlet and she, she accounted for it. But then she also went to the market and sold her things. Like and she was, fields. Yeah. yeah. And planted fields. I mean, this was a woman whose hands were calloused with work who contributed to her home in, like you said, a division of labor. Yeah. So like, why, it. why do we have this idea that like a housewife, a stay at home mom is just like hanging out on the couch and like, you know, rubbing your husband's feet. It just really bothers me. They're rubbing our feet. Um, <laughs> but that is really like the media. But that's like, the stereotype. Weird. <laughs> Angela, you hit the nail on the head there. The, the media is to blame because think about this. Any show of the last 20 to 30 years, any depiction of a housewife has been, you know, she's desperate. or you know she's a real housewife of wherever and come on they don't have to put the four dollar lipstick back do they you know like Mm, yeah right they probably don't even clean their own toilets you know like they Mm -hmm. (laughs) and especially soap operas and things like just the depiction of her Mm-hmm. I suppose you go by what you know and what you're exposed to. So if all of these kind of young, impressionable girls are seeing what it's like to either be a housewife on one hand or be, uh, you know, in Sex in the City, mm-hmm. you're going to pick whatever seems most glamorous, aren't mm-hmm. you? And that, Oh, pardon me. Go ahead. I was just going to say... We've had, we can bring glamour and beauty into our lives, into our homes and be set, surrounded by it. And for it to be a very thing that, like that's absolutely according to our tastes rather than trends. Mm-hmm. So this is the thing as well. I do think you need to, like you said, about stepping out of the rat race in order to reset and reset your priorities. Mm-hmm. We need to redefine what it means. And this is why I just love this movement because we are all talking about this now. There was no conversation about homemaking Mm -hmm. for so long. And Mm -hmm. it's so important. You know, the fact that there's, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman is so highly revered. It's because it's like, oh, she's working. She's not just sat there watching daytime TV, right? Like she's busy and people love her and i mm-hmm. i've i found i feel more valuable as a homemaker than when i was just a number in the workplace mm-hmm. i feel like alina rather than just you know that's my payroll number right you know where, where it's sold to us is the complete opposite it's empowering to work outside the home and i'm like 
actually, to me, that feels like entrapment. <laughs> and this is the ironic yeah. thing with all these journalists attacking me, saying, you're at risk of abuse and, you know, oh, like, you're a slave. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I was a slave in the workforce. You don't get it. You don't yeah. get it. I've never been more free. <sighs> mm-hmm. I think what we, one of the really destructive things that the media has done with this is, they really have tried to put a face to this movement. And and I push back against that because one of the things we really advocate for here on the podcast is that there is no right or wrong way to do this. Mm. Um, Like you said, I would say we're actually all pretty similar in our tastes or even how we dress or the way that we keep our homes or the things that we find relaxing or entertaining. But like listeners, I need you to hear this. There is no right or wrong way to be this or that, meaning you do not need to wear skirts and look like a Stepford wife to be a homemaker. You don't. You don't even have to bake bread if you don't want to. You know, this looks so many different ways for so many different families. I mean, even for our family, Stuart doesn't have a traditional out of the house job. We both work here. We share the workload of what we've created and you know, we've, we found our way, but why, I mean, I guess they, they kind of, everybody needs somebody to hate, right? Everybody needs somebody to like poke their finger at and be like, see, this is the way homemakers. It is not your family does not need to look like my family. It won't look like my family, even if you tried, because we're all so unique and we're all so different. And we always try to encourage people, even if you're not married, even if you don't have children, everybody is a homemaker, Right. And I think why so many people push back against that is a home is kind of in my mind, like a garden. If you don't tend to it and you're not skilled and you're not trained in it, it's going to kind of just be a weedy, horrible mess, right? Like beautiful analogy, beautiful. And also you learn as time goes go on. You don't need to do it perfectly right from the off. I didn't, you know, like I still don't bake bread. (laughs) You had to buy it. You know, and and yeah, I might look like a Stepford wife one day because that's an aesthetic that appeals to me. But yesterday I was in leggings and a T-shirt out in the garden. You know, mm-hmm. like it does not have to look one way. Mm-hmm. And homogenizing of everything is just has got to stop. Mm-hmm. We are so unique and mm-hmm. all of our journeys are different. Like, mm-hmm. I think this is a yeah. problem with culture today. It's like, oh, it has to be one size fits all. And mm-hmm. we were not yes. created, we were not created for that. Mm-hmm. We were not created for that. You know, like we are created uniquely and mm-hmm. beautiful, beautifully, mm-hmm. you know, and I just think, I just wish people would embrace that and realize. And I think this is well, cause you both homeschool as well, don't you? Mm-hmm. I'm very new to this. I've only been doing it since the start of the pandemic. I had, my son was in school for a couple of years and I started to notice this sense of one size fits all. And I just, Mm -hmm. there was something about it that just didn't sit right with me. That does not mean that I disagree with anyone who sends their child to school. It's just, I had to realize what's best for me and my family Mm -hmm. and, and the goals that we have in the future. So that's the same with stepping out of the workforce mm-hmm. and becoming a homemaker or choosing to be one right from the start. You don't have to do things the way everybody else is doing them. Yep. That's hard though. Yes. Oh, it's I nice. Mean, it's, it's, 
it's easy to please other people, isn't it? You yeah. know, like it's so easy to please other people. Yeah. We were a part of a homeschool co-op for a while and, you know, it got to the point where I was like, this is not helping. This is not good for our family. It's not a good fit. And I resisted pulling back from it for about six months. Cause I was like, what will people think? Like, you know, we'll be the people who couldn't even do a half day a week of a co-op. <laughs> We're terrible. But you'll teach your children like life skills and things yeah. like this. Like when you mentioned Dave Ramsey, that should be taught in schools. Could you oh. imagine how much, how much of a better situation we'd all be in? Like mm-hmm. if we all knew those things right from the off, do you know what I mean? Like who's to oh, say yeah. what schooling even needs to look like? Do you know? Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's interesting. Coming out the other side of it, it's it's just I'm just shocked at how much I had the blinkers on. I think, and how much yeah. I kept those blinkers on to, to please other people who aren't even in my life anymore. Funnily enough, yeah. Mm. Okay, I'm kind of changing directions here, but I just have to ask because it, this fascinates me. I love studying just other cultures and like how it all pieces together. What is the what is the stereotype, or where do you? people from the UK, like, where do you kind of see Americans at in terms of homemaking? Like, Ooh, here's where, cause we've gotten a lot of emails and there's a lot of homemaker chic listeners who are in like Scotland in particular seems to be one we get a lot of, yeah. um, where they're just like, Hey, there's nothing here. Like everyone thinks I'm absolutely crazy to the point of like people knocking on my door. Like you need to send your kids back to daycare. Like mm-hmm. it's very aggressively anti-homemaking, which I hadn't known until that those emails started coming in. So how, how do you guys kind of see the homemaking movement in America now? Well, uh, my audience are largely American. So, Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say about 75% of my audience are North American, Canadian as well. Um, so I'm exposed to it in that sense. It look, it it mirrors what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. but other British people, Nothing. No, there's nothing. So for for what you're doing, it seems like you've got it all together <laughs> in terms of what I I witnessed. Hence the reason oh. I'm following close as well, because I'm like, hey, that's someone I can relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, like I and I and I have for some reason I have long related with Americans, and I think it's just because you're so you're boldly. You, you boldly profess your faith for one, which I'm like, yes, because we just don't do that here. We're British, you know, like we don't mention anything about, you know, our beliefs oh, wow. or, you know, like, no, that's quiet, very kept, very quiet. And then homemaking, no. As soon as your child is about three, they'll start asking you when you're going back to work. Like homemaking just isn't done. It's not done here. Yeah. So it seems like from my perspective, you guys have got it all together and I wish I could move there. See, that that <laughs> confirms that that I could never be British because like crazy, the crazy boldness will just like pop out sometimes and it would be like, you're out I know, of and, and a lot of us, <laughs> there is a lot of Brits are like, <gasps> the Americans are like, oh, so bold. But, I, but you are like me on the inside. Like sometimes I'm just like, ah, and I do a lot. I, I don't know. I'm quite outspoken. But my, my heritage is Danish. So I'm actually Scandinavian. So I wonder if we're very blunt as well. So I yes. think, you know, I've had my British More training. Bluntness there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we we do like the Scotland seems to be like that. I remember the one gal like I am alone, and then we've received emails from um, Norway, East, Eastern Europe. Eastern. Yeah, I've had some. I've 
No, you mentioned I've had a few from Scotland as well. Like I am swimming upstream. I'm alone in this. Yes. A woman is alone in raising, wanting to raise her, her children to be there, to care for her home and to, to be there to serve her family like that. Yeah. Think about that for a second. Like that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, you can. It doesn't. I, but not that one. I don't see how that's not empowering to raise your children yourself. You know? Yeah, I know. I don't understand that. It, I, it just doesn't compute. And, and it was, sorry, what, what frustrates me the most is that for centuries we raised children as a village as well you know like you would rely on other women in your community to mm-hmm. help you out like you know if you've birthed a baby they'd all come around you this is what i see happen in america as well you will make food for each other and drop it off you know like when you've you don't do had- that <laughs> did you have you not experienced that oh no <laughs> totally no, we, we have. have oh you have no, that's that just thing it's it's coming, it's filtered into the church now. So if you're part of the church family, that's starting to happen. So we've obviously, what? you know, picked up on that and it's happening. Really? In Father yeah. Brown, they always it's, do it in Father Brown. No. <laughs> they that's do. Not, it's make-believe. <laughs> I just thought it was great British tradition. Um, no, no, I will, I will that, say really intrigues me. I, I mean, I wonder if that's just like a... No. Like, I mean, like a hospitality born out of the church type yes, tradition. Yes, yeah. You know, potluck. Yeah. Pass a plate or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I uh, I will say boldly as a homemaker, a homeschooler, I, I would have 90% less confidence in what we're doing had I not my church community around me of there's a bunch of like-minded women saying, hey, and my pastor every Sunday, hey, this has value. What you're doing moms, dads, families has value. And I need to be told that because we all stumble every day in our homes. You know, we're all flopping around, trying to learn these skills, trying to raise these people, (laughs) trying to do better and trying to be members of our community. Um, but the, the love that's received, even in the form of food, support, prayer, encouragement from, from my church community specifically has sustained me. 100% 100% through, through those times. So, you know, I know not all of our listeners have that. Um, so I, I can't really speak to that because that is a, that's a major subculture that we're in. The question to ask here is how can we have that? You know, for the, for those side of the church. Yeah. Or even those, cause I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. but I don't experience that either. So it's kind of like for those people in those in those cultures in those societies in those countries that aren't experiencing that love and that sense of community and and that sense of like feeling like their role as a homemaker is is revered and highly respected what can we do going forward to make sure that they're not alone and they're not feeling alone and support them like it's a really interesting question what do we need to change what narrative needs to change what actions do we need you know, it's interesting that we we do live in a time and a culture where the home is celebrated in a certain way. So here, I don't know what the channels are um, in the UK, but we have you know HGTV and this, yeah, we have that's exactly what I was thinking. HGTV, yeah, and redecorating shows yeah. and making throwing money at it, curb yeah. appeal, throwing money at it. So yeah. I guess so you can turn around and walk out 
the front door every day. I mean, there's, I think we need to start by elevating and the home like that. This is a, this is a valid structure. This, these are, there's validation in these four walls. Like this matters, this place. I think we're always just like looking Mm -hmm. out. What can we consume? What can we go buy? Where can we go? What vacation can we go on? Mm Mm-hmm. What's next? What's next? It's always outgoing. And I feel like in our, on my journey, that is something uh, that really changed a long time ago where I just thought, okay, I'm going to like turn everything on its head and focus everything in. I, mm-hmm. I'm just going to focus everything in. And that was probably right when Aiden was born and, uh, you know, from a home-based business to homeschooling to wanting to grow some of my own food. It was always like, what can I add to this? What comes out of this instead of mm-hmm. what do I get out there? Uh, yeah. But the the irony that we celebrate the home that way, as far as its aesthetic, but not in its heart is really, mm-hmm. really intriguing. Yeah. And it, 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 with the rise of social media as well, I think uh, that's not helping with the whole home thing because, again, you just feel like you're, you know, I live in a 1960s semi-detached house in a cul-de-sac. Do you know what a cul-de-sac is? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's run down. You know, it's not... Um, it's not aesthetically pleasing. I try my best, you know, I I do what I can to make it beautiful. And then because I put myself out there on social media, I get trolled for it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like people, it's just kind of like, you can't win sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really, really frustrating. So it's almost like we need to, rather than look for absolute happiness and being at the top of the tree. I think we need to learn to be settled in contentment. Mm-hmm. I've got a roof over my head. There's food in the cupboards. My children are happy and healthy and here with me. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a healthy, great marriage. What more do we need? Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if just that outward looking is it, it, because I just feel that you need more from life. And it's like, what? truly need to be happy mm-hmm. food in our belly a safe place to land mm-hmm. which is our home and family around us like mm-hmm. honestly who's mm-hmm. who, who started to train us that we need all of this stuff and this status like it's it's incredibly interesting just how much it's changed since I mean, I always talk about the 1950s, but only because at that time, and it was having worked in marketing and advertising, I know that obviously it was kind of manipulative, but the housewife was celebrated back then, which is why I kind of love those aesthetics and those old advertisements and things like that. It'd be wonderful if we could get back to that. So we could recognize ourselves in like, oh yeah, I I bake casseroles, I make casseroles, I bake bread, like Mm -hmm. I'm doing it all right, rather than I'm not doing it all right. Mm Mm-hmm. Or or well, being mocked if you do do it. I remember well, after having, <laughs> I had my third baby, and that's the that's pretty much here the point where everybody thinks you're certifiable. But three kids, so like mm-hmm. what are, what are you doing? Um, and I was I was prepared. I had frozen a ton of casseroles. I was I was ready, and she was about three days old. And I was down in my kitchen. I had bread going. I had thought out one of those casseroles. I had food in the oven and somebody from my church stopped by. I didn't know they were coming by um, with a meal. And it was a little bit awkward because she had a hot meal and I here had everything 
ready to go. And <laughs> darn if she didn't call me Susie Homemaker. Oh, yeah. It was pretty uncomfortable. Oh, well, you're like Susie Homemaker then, aren't you? Like, you don't even need this. It was so awkward. I will never forget. I just did the thing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's not a term of endearment anymore. <laughs> it's no, no. very uncomfortable. I'm like, wow, I'm from church. So really? Well, that's interesting. Really <laughs> uncomfortable. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I didn't mean I wasn't grateful for her meal. I just didn't know she was coming. And I, I got this. <laughs> yeah, somebody had to feed the family. <laughs> Well, that's interesting because when someone criticizes you, doesn't it say that it says more about them than it does about you? And this is what I'm noticing as well with the backlash that I've had is that people are, I hate to use the word, but it's almost sometimes it it highlights where they might be lacking. So that's either in an attitude or skill, Mm -hmm. you know, skill set or something. And it's just kind of, I don't know. The whole feminism thing about celebrating women's choices, like the fact that we're able to make these choices, but mm-hmm. kind of circling back to what we said at the beginning, you can make great choices, but just not this one. Right. This seems to be, homemaking seems to be the last taboo mm-hmm. in women's choices. And it's just frustrating. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you get criticized. Oh, aren't you a perfect little housewife, mm-hmm. Susie Homemaker? And it's just like, mm-hmm. just boggles the mind. Yeah. A lot. I mean, here in America too, the the Christian sort of heritage that we did draw from that, that has been lost in the sense that like it no longer carries the cultural weight that it once carried, you know? So now that's also a a fine where we find a lot of our listeners swimming upstream. It's just like, you can have any religious belief, any worldview, you can believe anything, but not that. Not that, (laughs) no, you know, and so you feel there's a lot of women I know because they emailed me who feel like, okay, now I'm swimming upstream as a homeschool mom, because this is a thousand times harder than just sending my kid to school. Uh, I'm swimming upstream because maybe I'm this religion or I'm that religion, which is no longer culturally acceptable. Right. Um, And oh, by the way, I'm staying at home or I'm working from home or, you know, I see value in the home or I'm prioritizing these things, or I'm saying no to social obligations because, you know, we're trying to take care of things at our home in a certain way. And like, they're just feeling like they're upstream every direction they go. And there's no rest, right? Because everywhere they turn, they're swimming up against the stream. So I know that you're probably in a lot of that same position being where you're at. Like, how do you continue to swim upstream? Like, where do you find the energy and the stamina to keep going when everything you're doing is so countercultural? I have a fire in my belly, honestly. And I can speak about this because of my faith that I feel like we're going to get all Christian woo woo now, but when I first, I know some listeners turn out at this point, just fast forward. Okay. No, I have two points to make here. First, imagine swimming upstream like this, but not being a believer. I think that would be 10 times harder because at least I've got somewhere to go, you know, like scripture that tells me I'm doing it right. You know, like I see, I see validation there in what I'm doing. Um, but when I, when I published my first book, Ladies Like Us, which has got my testimony in it, 
we had literally just published it. I'm self-published as well. So it's, you know, oh, she's not really a homemaker. She's an author. No, we're just a bit enterprising and we figured it out how to do it on Amazon. But I was, it was a Sunday morning and I was sat on the sofa. My husband was off in a different part of the house and I was praying because I was like, this, I've written this book now. What's going to happen with it? And suddenly I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Esther 414. And I was like, whoa. That's interesting. At that moment, my husband shouted at me from another part of the house and he said, I've just got some scripture for you. And I went, what? Esther 4.14. And I was just like, <gasps> proper goosebumps at that point. Like the hairs on my arms were on end and everything. And it says, perhaps you were created for such a time as this. So I think back to all of the experiences I've had in my lifetime about, you know, wanting to be a homemaker and a housewife, having that taken away from me because of the culture and because of bullying, outright bullying, actually, which I suffered as a girl and a woman, which is not talked about enough, woman to woman bullying that happens. Mm. And then finally becoming a homemaker, becoming a Christian. And then suddenly I've written this book. When I read, it's almost like a baby. You know, when you're having a baby, you're like, I'm going to have a baby. And then you have the baby and you hold it in your arms for the first time. You're like, whoa, how did that happen? <laughs> you're just like, I knew I was having it, but now it's here. What do I do with it? You know, like the very first time. So that's the fire I have in my belly about it. Because I'm just thinking, again, the Christianese, I just feel like it's kingdom building, if I'm honest. And I would rather, given the fact that I've had so much thrown at me over the years, I've just got a really thick skin now. So they can say all this stuff Mm -hmm. and, you know, I can swim against the current because I feel equipped for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like, Mm -hmm. and I I have lots of people thank me for it as well. Like, thank thank you for speaking for us. And I don't speak for everybody because not everybody agrees with me on all points. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. You don't have to be a Christian to be a homemaker. You don't have to have a faith at all to be a homemaker. It's a way of life more than Mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. So, and a really beautiful one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's that's what keeps me going. Those are some of my favorite emails when we hear from listeners who are like, I don't agree with you on most things, you know, like here I live in a city or I'm this religion or I'm that, or, you know, just so many different walks of life. And yet we could, we should, I feel like we should all be able to agree that people that we love should be taken care of, right? Which is so much of what we do. And that looks different. It takes on so many different forms for so many different people, but ultimately that's what we're doing, right? We're caring for people who we love. And then those of us who have called to be been called to be mothers, we're raising the next generation of people. Like I truly, what, like what else could you, why is that controversial? Why, why are we arguing about this? Yeah. It is something I really like about the show is I just got it. We just got an Instagram message the other day. I don't know if you saw it. Mm -mm. This woman described herself and she's probably the antithesis of you and I. Okay. As far as what she believes and what she stands for. And she, she didn't say it with any malice or anything. She's like, love the show. <laughs> Glad we don't all have to be a homogenous mess. Yeah. And I think that's so great. And we, we do get a lot of emails like that. Like I'm shaking yep. my head. No, while you're talking, but, but home is important and mm-hmm. I'm a homemaker and mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I think that's true. And I think, you know, in Providence, going back to the Christianese, it was Providence that Angela and I decided after a decade of knowing each other and working side by side, we started this podcast unknowingly a week before the pandemic. 
Yeah. And all of a sudden, all these women were thrust home into these situations. And, you know, we had to deal with a lot of the untangling of emails from listeners who are like, hey, my home sucks. I can't wait to go back to work. This (laughs) is horrible. And this is hard. And I'm thinking you haven't tended your garden in 20 years. Why would it be beautiful? Right. And we had to deal with all the thoughts we had about a homemaking podcast. All of the sudden, all those subjects were not available. No one was going shopping. No one was having <laughs> dinner, for dinner. Nobody was, you know, hospitality activities. All those things were taken away. And so, yeah, we, we then really had to look into the home. Like, I felt like it helped us really peel back a lot of onion layers very rapidly as far as our content. Right. Our way through the first six months of the show, like, what do we want to talk about? How do you be a podcast host? Right. How do you articulate these thoughts and get beyond the fluff. Like, we had, I felt like we had to, yeah, like really sink or swim. Cause it wasn't just what you do. It's like you said, it's the heart. We always call it the posture of the heart. Like, this, it all outworks in a thousand different ways. But yeah. like, it's the heart posture of saying, this has value. I'm going to care well, whether you have a family or not. There are people around you in need. You have a community, you have neighbors, you have maybe elderly parents, like eyes to see those needs and a desire to serve and a desire, like ultimately, frankly, to get over yourself. A servant's heart. Exactly. And that's, (laughs) that's what's being trained out of us almost, you know, like it is like, like it's shameful to have a servant's heart these days. It's just, yeah. yeah. It's funny you talk about Providence because the media storm that happened when I did the BBC piece. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, yeah, I did. Went yep. viral. So I went on Britain's biggest breakfast television show called This Morning. I don't think you can see it in America. They've blocked it on YouTube from being aired. Literally a week before things started freaking out as well, you know, like with the pandemic. I remember being in London in the train station coming home and people were – their eyes were kind of freaked out. It's like, oh my goodness, actually there's something going on and people are starting wearing masks and things like that. So this whole, is this perfect rich tapestry? Maybe there's going to be a revival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't that be wonderful if there's just this well, revival think, for us yeah. to return to it? I mean, I think that there already is because now even if people have careers, a lot of them are at home. Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing. It'd just be nice for the media to catch up and realize. (laughs) Well, we say this all the time on the podcast too, listeners. I mean, we talk about putting your blinders on sometimes, and sometimes that can be a bad thing because you need to be able to see the context of what, you know, that you're in. Mm -hmm. But I I do truly believe that 98% of our problems would be solved if we just shut off our damn televisions. Just stop, you guys, stop, stop taking it in. Stop being on Instagram. Even if you follow us, stop, <laughs> stop being on Facebook. Just, just no, stop. So, yeah. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> follow, follow what inspires you. Follow and, what inspires you. And, and kind of makes you think, oh, there is something <laughs> I can do here. I am at home all day, but I hope perhaps I can tackle this job today or something, but don't ever pressure yourself that there is a the opposite of the Susie homemaker where you yeah. feel like you're not doing it well enough, you know? Yeah. Like, no, it's true. Like, yeah, it's true. But I think we just take in so much. And what that does is just disperse our efforts and our energies and our care and our concern. It disperses it so thin over so many things that then even if we do get 
something accomplished. It's maybe it's not big enough. Right. And it, it kind of starts that consumer mentality of, well, this person posted that she did this today. And now I feel bad because all I did was this. And, you know, it's a posture of the heart. So before you consume, you need to make sure that your heart is in that posture. Right. So it can take it in in the right way is probably the more important thing. Okay. You can still follow us on Instagram. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've read about this in both books, actually, is be very mindful of what you consume and what you allow into your home, whether that's through the television, through even podcasts. Some I've listened to some podcasts that made me feel bad about myself, you know, and you you need to be very mindful of that and, and strong enough to turn it off when you Mm -hmm. recognize those things happening. You're like, "Mm, this doesn't make me feel good. Like even books, Mm -hmm. you know, just fill yourself, like your mind, your body, everything with good things, with Mm -hmm. good things, because Mm -hmm. what else is there otherwise, you know, like it just, it's a spiral downwards if you compare yourself and you expose yourself to negativity all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true. Well, you are a brave woman. And um, I may boldly ask if you would be a regular guest on this podcast. I would love to. Please. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. I we, really uh, like to look deep into the books. I'd we like got to go into the books. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, would you tell our audience how they can stay in touch with you? And where yeah, of course. Well, everything that you do. Well, I'm on Instagram daily. So my handle is the Darling Academy. And then you can visit my website to read those controversial blog posts that the media hates so much, (laughs) which is www.thedarlingacademy.com. And there are other pages on there that show you the press that I've done. So you can kind of get a bit of a context as well. And I'd love Mm -hmm. to come back and speak to you all via this podcast. Yes, we would love that because it's always so nice to hear another take on what it is that we are speaking to with this group of people. So yes, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Ladies. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I have a fire. Um, I was going <laughs> to say I have a fire in my trousers. That's not <laughs> Ants in your pants. <laughs> I have a fire in my belly <laughs> to go about the rest of this day. Um, absolutely. It's going to be a really good day. So I can't wait to have her back on. That was an absolute so fun. Yes. Okay. Well, ladies, go tackle your Monday. Show some love to our sponsors. Dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic rosé. Oldworld.com forward. No. Oldworld.parisianfarmgirl.com. And of course, jovialfoods.com. And we will see you guys back here on Thursday. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.